Hi, welcome to Pod Before Dinner. Enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of uh, Pie Before Dinner. This is your host, Dr. Lou. Welcome back and Happy New Year. I know it's not too late to say Happy New Year. It's only January 13th, uh, even though you pr should probably stop about January 10th or so. But welcome back, guys. This is the first episode of the year. Thank you for joining in. And if you are listening, you are listening to Pie Before Dinner Talking Math with Dr. Lou. It's great to be back after our holiday winter break. You know, I just want to pause before we start the show, uh, Breaking Bridgerton and Bad Habits, New Beginnings. I'm so thankful for my audience. I'm so thankful for the, to you, the audience, um, just to think about what we have accomplished together over the last eight months, right? I mean, we went from just a informal Facebook kind of meetup gathering to a follow-on show, to a, a Facebook group a web page full of resources for teachers and parents. And so I'm, I'm humbled by what has happened, but I'm also so so thankful, right? Because this show for me has been a, a journey of new beginnings as well, right? And so it's just it's, it's just a real uh, appropriate time to to thank you and to really just reflect on the show. I, I really like New Year's. Um, it's one of my favorite transition spaces of the year because I like to to look at the end of the year, reflect on life and kind of think about things and put in play things. In fact, I, I like resolutions. I don't know. I mean, how many of you in the audience, if you're watching this or listening to this, how many of you like resolutions? I love New Year's resolutions um, because they allow me to 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 put in place different things as I reflect on my life and I think about the life going forward. And so I have some New Year's resolutions that I'm going to share later on the show. Um, in the spirit of new beginnings. New Year's resolutions, though, they're going to be heavy. They, they relate to both um, black community, myself, um, you, and mathematics, right? And so this show, which explains the show, the show is an intersection. If you're listening for the first time, this show is an intersection of mathematics, community, and justice. Um, so we have lots to talk about, right? And so we'll, we'll get right into that. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. If you're listening... Uh, by way of Facebook, please do me a favor. Just go ahead and share, uh, start a watch party. Just share this to your profile. Share this, and so other people can can listen listen in on the program. We find that so many people watch this program uh, after it's run, and so we're so thankful. Uh, this program has led to so many opportunities, and so you guys have been really the the catalyst behind that. Um, so when we talk about new beginnings, right? When we talk about this show, this show was birthed out of out of new beginnings. It was birthed. That, let's let's reflect. It was birthed out of, out of a response to pandemic, right? The pandemics of COVID nineteen and and police violence. That's that's a pandemic as well, right? It was a response to the needs of of felt black community, my community, the communities around me. Um, and not just our black community, but our allies and friends as well, right? Uh, when we think of teachers and we think of parents, uh, they were faced with this upheaval, upheaval in, in several ways, upheaval, first of all, the pandemic. And we know that the devastating impact that the pandemic has had on, on black lives uh, in terms of 
being our numbers represented on the front line, the numbers who have been who've been battling this deadly disease, and then unfortunately the number of COVID infected and COVID death rates we know have been stark in black communities all across the world, uh, if not in my very space of DC and the United States. And so, you know, this was birthed out of looking at that upheaval as, as people were were faced with jobs, job disruptions, um, uh, salary uh, disruptions, layoffs, uh, uh, store closings, business closings, uh, family upheaval, so all sorts of things. And then, then there's a pandemic, I'm sorry, then there was the, the upheaval of schooling, right? The schooling changed its place from schools being closed and shut down. Now parents have had this extra burden in dealing, it, in addition to dealing with the pandemic, this extra burden of dealing with life and, and schooling and trying to become this teacher and and providing for students. And then there was talk of these learning losses and 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 stuff like that. And, and you know, and, and that's just stress and that's pressure because school had become and has become such an important fabric of our existence and not having that available in the same way, um, you know, which it was a big, big shift. And so this program was birthed, this, this movement of pie before dinner was birthed out of as a response to to that work, as a response to those crises in our community, you know, everyone listening to this broadcast has been touched by by the trauma, right, of of someone being infected by by COVID. So I want to pause and just recognize as we open up the new year. I want to recognize that um, by now we've all known someone who has suffered from COVID, recovered from COVID, or unfortunately passed away from COVID. Um, and, and and if that wasn't and to make matters worse, as if matters matters couldn't get any worse, we we suffered through the the we, we protested and we marched. We suffered through the spate of, of of black violence, of racial violence, or police violence against um, black people, black men and women, and that sparked a whole new social um, episode of social revolution that we're still seeing going on today being played out in in the backlash if there's if black lives matter was a movement we've seen now a spate of of white violence the white backlash that always follows these kinds of social justice movements throughout history and so we're seeing that now so we're still going to we're living through points of trauma all throughout our experiences as we're still navigating and finding new ways to work i've heard families talk about how children are flourishing in in new and different ways you know learning new things about family learning new things about being resilient trying new hustles i, I love how uh, black people um have focused on finding new ways to earn income new revenues new businesses new ways to kind of stick together and come together and support each other uh, whether it's through the virtual rise of of media, virtual media, um, Clubhouse, and these other ways, just I just see black communities. Uh, in fact, I was on Clubhouse just the other day, yesterday, day before, yesterday, and it was a come. Uh, uh, it was the what was it? A commem commemoration of the Haiti earthquake, and just to see groups of community coming together and supporting people who had gone through this trauma. I just think it was it's an awesome space. And so I'm really appreciative of how black communities come together to support each other. Um, and so now we're still in the midst of this, right? We know that these cries of violence and upheaval have, have uh, overtaken the nation's capital and uh, uh, from which I'm reporting. 
here live from D.C., Washington, D.C. Um, and we see that the, the pain, the, the, the violence, the rage of, of white supremacy, right, and, and uh, white supremacist actions, uh, inspired actions that have been felt by all of us. And we're seeing it played up. My, I was glued to my television today just to look at the historic vote that the House took to, uh, to impeach um, uh, President Trump. And so that was, uh, you know, that's big, right? Being impeached twice. And that's a big major statement. And that statement still leaves us very much uh, in upheaval. And so we're, I'm mindful of that, guys. I'm mindful of that. So, so in, the, in the context of new beginnings, uh, I want to acknowledge and open up the space for, for this group and, and to declare that this is a safe space for both our community, black community, and our allies. We're committed to hosting uh, leading conversation that feature us, that's, I'm sorry, center us, that illuminate black people and uh, in the space of mathematics and community un unapologetically. So that's the unapologetic space, big, beautiful blackness. Um, and that's important. And it's no coincidence, you know, that, that more community media, more media are starting to pop up in the space of mathematics around this. I, I, I like to think that this show has been a catalyst for other people to take up the, the reins of, of producing big, black, beautiful media in mathematics and, and, and really our expression and our voice in mathematics because we belong here, yeah? And um, so there's no coincidence, and I welcome that. And so because this is a time for new beginnings. So you'll notice today I'm just monologuing. Today I am my own guest. And so today I am my own guest, and I am going to uh, open up my studio at some point for you to join in. So if you want to share your resolutions with me, New Year's resolutions uh, with me as we talk about some things, particularly white supremacy, um, just hit me up. Uh, I'm going to give you the link in the, in the, in the uh, comments. You can hit me up, and um, we'll go from there okay all right cool uh so thanks for joining and i'm happy to have you here and let's go get, get started so i want to talk to you about how this show is going to be structured for the next three months so this january i want to focus really dive deep into new beginnings and talk about new beginnings from the from the perspective of of black community of mathematics of education and schooling and and also of personal living right so that this is a weird show. It's hard to categorize it. So it's going to be all those things and everything in between. And so we're going to talk about new beginnings and different, just pick different topics in different spaces. The show's only going to be about 35 to 40 minutes, 35 to 40 minutes tops. And um, we're going to write a blog following the show as well as the, it's automatically going to be a podcast um, as we're broadcasting to both YouTube and to Facebook Live, but we'll also do a podcast. Uh, just some stuff. People have asked for more uh, follow-up around the show. And so rather than make the show incredibly long, this is what we'll do. So in January, we'll focus on new beginnings. In, in February, we have a, a very specific series dedicated to black history. I'm actually excited um, about it to... to share it with you. In fact, let me just put it on the screen so that you can see. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. So in February, we're going to be broadcasting directly to our website, pybeforedinner.com, and we're going to have a, a, actually a series of public broadcasts, public conversations with the mathematics, science, STEM, education 
community. And so we've started to advertise this week on Twitter, but um, you can see these uh, topics, the science of slavery with Dr. Stimson and Dr. McGee, Black, Brown, and Bruce, her new book in STEM, um, around her new book. And, and Albert Cook, um, a phenomenal history educator, uh, who talks about the history of, of racism in, in America and white supremacy. And we're going to be talking about the M-word, okay? I'm excited about that. Matt, you know what the M-word is. And and also, in, on February 24th, to close it out, my good friend and colleague, Dr. Chris Childs, and we're going to be talking about the non-European origins of mathematics, which, in fact, is a, a semi-book study of ours around a book called The Crest of the Peacock. If you want to go ahead and and get that and, and so that you're ready for February 24th, go right here. It's called The Crest of the Peacock. Um, it's The Crest of the Peacock, uh, The Non-European Origins of Mathematics. So it's a big book. So we won't see the whole book, but we'll definitely, um, we'll definitely, there's, there's a couple of chapters I think we want to focus on. And as the time gets closer, it's about a month away, I'll let you know. So we're looking forward to an exciting, exciting uh, show, guys. Um, and so I'm so glad to be um, uh, just a part of this this great show, this great movement, man. I, just, I feel the energy from the audience, energy from you. And I'm just so, so happy to be, be a part of this. You are listening to Pie Before Dinner. So let's talk white supremacy, right? I mean, I mean, let's talk about it. I, I, I'm not trying to go in, strictly in the scholarly sense of this this space, but I really want to talk about it from the sense of what's been happening. And so, I've, I just want to talk for a few minutes about white maybe for the next 10 minutes or so, white supremacy, where do we go from here? And I want to share, I want to talk about these events of, of in the last week or so because it's really in, in, in broadcast, it's hard to talk about anything else. I was <laughs> last week when, when there were people breaking into the, um, the uh, House and Senate chambers. And so it's it's let's talk about this and how it impacts our community and some things I've noticed you might have seen me comment on my Facebook white supremacy where do we go from where do we go from here so the, the events of the recent attack right on U.S. Capitol you know it's just a conversation for for us right for me and my communities and so if you look at um, from my WhatsApp chat chats with my friends and families in Bermuda yeah I'm originally from Bermuda um, that's my country and from that what those whatsapp chats to uh my facebook groups with colleagues uh equity and social justice groups uh to work slack groups of work 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 workmates uh to colleagues across the u.s in my professional networks like linkedin and twitter right i mean the the world was abuzz with what was happening and we moved from the protests uh, we move from through a few words, a few words, and white supremacy is part of, of those words, right? We move from from protest to uh, gathering of protest to confirm the election, um, to protest against the confirmation of the election, to riot, right? And to riots breaking out, to 
riots being led by white supremacist uh, forces and leaders and 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 groups and orgs, right? And so the, the, that became a part of the conversation. Um, we saw flags, we saw uh, Camp Auschwitz, we saw different kinds of things, and it's all throughout the news. It's not new stuff. It's not sensational stuff. It's all throughout the news, and that became part of the the conversation. And then as the uh, mayhem took place in the capital. Uh, sorry for the officer who lost his life and the people who the people who died and were killed in this in in during that time and injured dozens of injured um, people killed. Um, we talked about uh, the insurrection. So those words came into play: the insurrection on the Capitol, the attempted coup, as you've heard some of the language being used on the news, right? And it, the language just shifted, and and as the language shifted, now it's shifted even to this, the, the new terms of, of healing. And uh, you hear that I heard that all throughout today uh, that we couldn't go through with the the Democrats couldn't go through with the shouldn't go through with the impeachment because we need a time to heal. It's going to mess up the healing. It's going to upset people. And so I, I, as I reflect on these ev events, I, I think about really. The, these events and their impact on, on, on black people, black community. And I realize how much we're still struggling with this notion of, of white supremacy. I mean, we are still struggling with this idea of, of white supremacy in ways that I think I want to bring out just in this, um, in, in this particular broadcast, if you if you if you have some thoughts about what you saw on Capitol Hill today, if you don't mind, just put it in the in the, in the um, uh, put it in the chat. Hey, brother Wu, what's happening? Put it in the chat. Wu should come on and join me um, sometime on the show, man. Um, but if you have some thoughts about this idea of how white supremacy and the notion of white supremacy was played out in the protests, playing out in the in the in the riots and the march and the mayhem and the insur well, the insurrection and the if you have some ideas about that then 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 put them in the chat and I can I can address them as well on the show but one of the things I want to address I want to address I want to go over two things that came up more prominently in my social networking one was this this idea of almost in every group I was in this idea of this conversation black people were having with each other and externally, in fact, it made its way to network news. And that is, if those people were black, if those were black people, or it might have been, you might have heard it, uh, remember when they weren't doing that for the Black Lives Matter movements and marches. I mean, I attended a, a, a few of those here in DC. And I thought of that, that was my first reaction. If the response, if these were black people, um, uh, what would the response have been? And this is a kind of, it, it, I know what it is. It's a rallying cry to, it's a rallying cry, right? To talk about, to, to shout out the injustice of the injustice of justice, the unequal justice, the unequal equity that we face on a day-to-day -day basis. Right? But as, I, as I continue to think, to hear this, uh, bantied about my community, I got really tired of it, and I, I said to myself, why, why are we, we weren't even at the rallies, we weren't even, uh, black folk in mass, we're not even at these marches, and why are we starting this conversation with us? Something, something is seriously missing when 
a conversation of white supremacy has to begin with you. So what we watched is white violence, right? And that is the violence stemming out of issues of, of losing rights, losing power, and all the perceptions of something being stolen. You know, white folk um, marching in this space with very deliberate signs and symbols of white supremacy, right? And so we watch this kind of violence. When, when you see this violence in black communities, we are often, both by the media and our internal measures, our internal, our governing measures, forced or coerced or, or impressed to talk about ourselves. So for example, in DC, we have, you know, there's, a, there's, there's, there's there are murders that happen. Um, I, I hear about them probably on a weekly basis, but we have a, a pretty strong, pretty high murder rate. I want to say it's high. I'm not an expert in it, but I know that even when I'm home in Bermuda, just one murder of, of a black person is too much. But as soon as these murders happen, there's an interrogation that takes place inside of the black community, inside of my communities. I've been, no matter where I've been, I've seen this interrogation take place. Uh, what are we going to do? How are we going to get leaders together? Let's stop the violence. Let's, um, Let's bring people together. Let's, you know, there's this interrogation that goes on in black community around violence, around things that go wrong, where we feel so responsible for it, right? I get it. I get that because it, it, it's, it hits home. It's, it sometimes, sometimes can be very familiar. I know the, the gang violence in, in Washington, D.C. And, and gang killings in Washington, D.C. feels so much like how it happens in Bermuda for me. I mean, I see it, right? I, it, the elements are similar. The elements are the same. So it hits home. So you're being re-triggered. But what is it about this kind of violence that we're seeing between, uh, we're seeing white hate groups taking, a ch taking charge and leading, leading this kind of violence on the nation's capital that has black folk doing the same thing? Th you know, interrogating again themselves. If this were us, if this were me, and for so many of, of black community, so many of my friends, we began to look at, you know, different instances. We started to relive, uh, relive uh, George Floyd. We relive these different events that we came to realize through media, realize through our personal experiences, and realize when we had been arrested, realize when others had been arrested, and I and I thought. What is so wrong with this picture that white supremacy is so insidious, so powerful in our society that it has black people doing all the introspection? You know, all of the interrogation of our whiteness, of our blackness, I'm sorry. And it dawned on me how, how powerful this system of white supremacy is, how insidious it is, but also that this system is prone to some illusions. And I'm gonna talk about those illusions, the three fallacies that I believe come along with this idea of white supremacy that, that we not only has to be unraveled in the entire society for white people, but for, for us as well. We're, we're, we're tangled up in this, this nest called white supremacy. And, and so I wanna talk about that as well so the second thing that 
se se second visceral reaction I had was to the word healing, right? And, and how quickly it comes up when uh, people don't want to open up sores and uh, when they don't want to get to real reasons as to why we might see violence, why we see why we might see drug abuse or homelessness and, and different things that divide us or fracture us or fracture us or disturb us. There's often a rush by people to um, for healing or a rush for quiet. You know, it's called a it's called some call it peace, but it's really not. It's really a rush to have silence, right? And sometimes you want you don't want peace. You really just want peace and quiet. And so we had this this rush on the Capitol, this upheaval upheaval of democratic experience and activity and leadership, and people even in understanding that things went way too far, unacceptably so on on just on all sides. Uh, of the aisle, you know, this, this, that, that's not something to be debated, but then wanting a rush to silence, a rush to simply, let's just gloss over, let's just get along, let's just move on in, 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 the, in the space. And so this idea of healing come up, and, and it's another word that frustrates me because, and I, I want to share, share a post that I, uh, I wrote a post on my Facebook page, but it actually came from a, uh, it came from a CNN um, story I was watching, um, and the post went like this: "You can't trust your healing to the people that cause you pain. In, in other words, the people that or the people that cause your pain cannot lead your healing." And I thought about that, and I thought about that in the context of black community and white supremacy, and I thought about so many of the ways in which. In healing from our racialized traumas of around education, around housing, around income, around uh, income generation, around jobs, around health. When I think about the traumas that are associated with inequity in those spaces, I think about how we have entrusted our healing to people leading those spaces who are a part of systemic thinking that has caused those inequities in the first place. Now that's clear to me in education. I don't know what field you're in. What do you think about that statement? Um, not leaving your healing, not leaving your healing to the people who caused, caused you pain in the first place. Yeah. Someone says healing requires acknowledgement of the things that is infecting you. Yeah, it does. And, and then I wonder, just to add on that, but can the person who's infected you, even if they acknowledge it, can they lead your healing? And so I see in this even the use of that word, those words, that 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 the resistance, a new beginning away from white supremacy is going to require, um, it's going to require um, agency on our part. So that's the bottom line. It's going to require agency. We're going to have to take control of some things that that are continually causes pain. Right. You know, and it might be even look at. Just in education, it's so clear to me that, you know, we, we have these systems, whether it's discipline policies, tenure policies, scholarship policies, scholarship research practice. We leave these things in control of, of people whose systemic orientation may not match ours, who's not only not match ours, whose systemic um, orientation causes us harm. And so thank you for that point. Um, read a listener 
Um, but yeah, we're going to need a different kind of mentality. The second point I want to bring out about healing is that not only that you can, you, not only can you not entrust people who caused you pain to lead your healing. And this is think about this even in an abusive relationship or a relationship. And I this this whole this whole dance with this president resembles an abusive relationship to some extent, right? It's this it's it, there's a pattern of great upheaval, great pain, and then a pullback to what did I do? I didn't do anything wrong. And then the ease and right back into the same cycle of causing the pain over and over. And just when you want to, and you're, you're crying for peace and, and justice and you just want to get over it. And just as you get over it, it eases right back into it and happens again. And we've seen this play out over the last four years. Um, and so when we talk about healing, you know, there's another not only can the people who cause your pain not lead you into it, but there's another thing I want to think about that I want us to think about that came as I was listening to the news. And that is, you can't even heal in the place in which you were broken. I heard that on the news today. I wanted to, to say that. You can't heal in the place you were broken, right? So when I think about that, I think about a job, right? I think about a marriage. I think about a family. I think about a an ex, a, a child or trauma. I think about a school. I think about um, an experience. Of, 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 I think about a violent act. This healing requires a break from something. And the question and the challenge for me in the new year is: What do you, as you heal, as you heal in your own life, both professionally, personally, whatever, spiritually, what are you breaking from? Right? Are you still in the same place, in the same system, in the same way? Even if you acknowledge your healing, are you still trying to go through healing in the same way? And so I, I, I'm not a psychologist, guys. I'm not even coming at this from a, a, a standpoint of, of that. I'm talking about trauma in the, in the way that it, it, it infects the systems in which we operate. Now, mine, mine is, is most directly education, mathematics. And, and so I can see how traumas play out in that space, both globally and individually. But... When we when we when we talk about leading and we talk about these words like healing, I just wonder if it's possible when our mindset around white supremacy is so flawed. One, we trust people to lead us out of healing who can't, and two, we try to be led out of the we try to be healed in the same space where the brokenness occurred. Yeah, one user says white supremacy is the brokenness. And if we're talking about healing, the people infected by white supremacy are the ones who are broken. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen. Uh, if if this sounds a lot like critical race theory, it is, right? I mean, critical race theory. One of the proponents of that is that 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 um, racism is endemic, right? It's it's a natural part of. It's it's a part of our system. It's in fact, I, I'd, I'd offer to you, it's not extreme. I, when people say white supremacy is extremism, then I'm like, where are you living? It seems to be everywhere. It's in every system I know of. This idea, what is it? This idea of white superiority, yeah? That, that whiteness becomes this standard by which all things, both human and not human, are judged. The, the ideas, the notions, the policies, the customs of uh, delineated by race, that those things are superior. So, so that's important. I want to hold on to that because 
if you into the lens of white supremacy everything's broken so so white supremacy everything is broken but whiteness right and so it's not about blackness in a in that sense and it is it's about everything property everything is is objectified everything is is less than in the in the lens of whiteness um and so when in the interest as the interest of of white domination is pushed upon a planet you know everything is 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 subjected to to that space so that's what white supremacy really is right and so when we say white supremacy culture that's what we're talking about um and there are some elements of white supremacy culture there's a, a great if you there's a great one page if you want to look it up it's called the uh, principles of white supremacy culture I, if someone can look it up and find it, it's a link it's an online link find it for me and post it i'll be grateful um but it's an element so i want to talk about real quickly three fallacies what i think are three fallacies of white su supremacy and then i'm gonna kind of let you go three fallacies of white supremacist culture one is the illusion of black deficiency you know, so when we're having these conversations around blackness, around us, around these events, if this would have been black people, white supremacy still has us always interrogating ourselves. And that should not be the case that we're constantly in an interrogation of our blackness in the face of acts, even when we're not even involved or, or, or around and in the space. And this is what this, this is the fallacy of white supremacy. White supremacy has nothing to do with black deficiency. I'm going to say that again. You have done nothing wrong, and you will never, ever do anything right enough to be free of this idea of white supremacy. White supremacy is not about black deficiency. White supremacy is about white superiority, right? There's th this idea of, it's, it's, it's this the standard for what, what, what is good is, 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 is white is superiority of whiteness. It's not black deficiency. So when it pops up and raises its ugly head and, and, and is found in white privilege and white comfort and white violence, then that's not something for you to take on. That's not a, a, that doesn't mean you have to go back and relive and rethink and re-therapize. Re, re, re I don't know if that's a word, but, you know, relive your own therapy around your identity. Relive the moments, all the moments you've been mistreated, all the moments black people have been mistreated. It actually calls for an interrogation of my, as a white man, my own whiteness, as a white woman, my own whiteness as well. And that was one of the great things about the civil rights movement. The civil rights movement in, in, in utilizing nonviolence, the, the very act of nonviolence itself forced an interrogation of the violent methods of white supremacy that had been used to subjugate people. And so itself, it was a radical action of nonviolence itself was a radical action. It wasn't just this passive thing. It was a radical action in, in opposing and forcing the interrogation of the society. And so that's what I like about, about this, that as a technique. And so, you know, that first fallacy requires you to stop over interrogating yourself and your blackness you are beautiful you are a black and you 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 have such great experiences and you belong on this planet in such powerful ways the second fallacy of uh white supremacy so if, if the first fallacy is the illusion of 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 black deficiency right 
you know, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with this student? What's wrong with this person? What's wrong with this family? It Every system forces you to think, think of every economic system, housing, politics, schooling. It forces you to think about the deficiency of black people in some way, shape or form. And there's something wrong with that kind of a system. And we saw it play out in the Capitol with, if this would have been black folk, this, this would have happened this way, shape and form. It's We're infected by this, delusion of black deficiency and and it makes it difficult for us to tap in and embrace and to love ourselves in terms of black excellence the second thing um the fallacy of of black of white supremacy is the invisibility of whiteness so while it forces us to introspect on ourselves as black people it's it's almost acts like a green screen you know what a green screen is you put up a green screen behind you and you can put any background up and just anything it becomes invisible to the space but it's there and so that's why the the police officers and the the leaders don't see a gathering of white people in the same way as a threat because under because these systems these systems favor the i notion of the superiority of whiteness and so if if you when you when you do that, you don't automatically see whiteness as a threat. And so just think about it. think about these notions of the invisibility of whiteness. And it's just so embedded in these ideas. Good hair. When I say that my hair, I have you have good hair. Typically, we've meant you know, this is a, a idea of hair that, you know, that, of, that that fits these, these Eurocentric notions of goodness. Um, so you can think of good hair. Think of good neighborhoods. Right. <laughs> Where to live. I mean, in D.C., the. Um, gentrification capital of the United States. Uh, you know, we talk about good neighborhoods, up and coming neighborhoods, and and that's a that's code, right? That's code for neighborhoods that have have a certain degree of white people in them. And so those are these ideas how how goodness is embedded in in whiteness under the notion of white superiority. And so that's something that's that's a part of our everyday, not just for for white people, but for me. I have to struggle with to unravel myself of deficient ideas of my goodness. So I'm not even putting this on. This is not something that has to do with white folk in that sense. I'm talking about how really how we have to unravel ourselves of this illusion of of the purity of whiteness for ourselves, right? Because it's in these standards of good here. What's good speech? I grew up in in a, in a country that taught me to that my accent, this accent you heard, Don, yeah, this accent you heard, that it was not good, that it wasn't proper, that I had to speak a different way, you know. Um, and so I grew up with that idea that I had no culture. I grew up with this these such damaging ideas, and so that's another one, um, another another falsehood and delusion. The last one I want to talk about, last fallacy of of white. Uh, supremacy that I think is important. This illusion of progress as the priority. So, so these systems of white superiority have us believing that, <laughs> yeah, I touched on good here, yes. This system of white supremacy has us believing that the system itself is good, that that it's, it's superior for white people, but it's good for the rest of everybody else. It's, it's this benevolence. So, so on the other end of the scale, on one end of the scale, there may be great hatred for other people, others. On the other end of the scale, there may be great benevolence for other people. I'm helping you. And so we try to help this, 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 do-gooder, this do-gooder stuff. 
but just up to a certain level. So there are these barriers, right? These glass ceilings, if you will. You can make some money but up to this glass ceiling, up to this point. And, and so the, the illusion is, the, illusion, the elusive part is that you can make some progress. So if we believe in incremental progress, just a little progress, we've made some progress, we've come this far, we've come this far, all the while the, the ceiling keeps changing. Ceiling keep changing. Or we, if you break through, then it's seen as, well, that's the model, then what's wrong with everybody else if you broke through? And so it, it takes, it does two things. One, it's, it's an illusion because it, it keeps you always seeking progress and not necessarily excellence. It keeps you uh, fiddling with systems, but not necessarily disrupting, dismantling, and deploying new systems, right? It keeps you very. It can, in worst case, it keeps you very satisfied. It can, it can lull you into a kind of sleep that makes you very comfortable with privilege and comfort. So that's where privilege and white, white privilege and white comfort come from. This idea of, of privilege. I'm, I'm just receiving the benefits that those around me, as my white counterparts around me, are receiving. White comfort is the systems, like the police systems, are deployed for my comfort. Yeah, and that's that's we see that delineated by class and wealth, and sexual orientation, um, agenda. We see it, the intersectionality, but it's still there. Yeah, and so we get um, addicted to this notion of of progress, of keep making progress. And I mean, how many times have you been in in a place and you've had to strive for progress, progress? Man, you know that this system is blatantly um, goes against our our very being. And so, you know, and, and, and this was, you know, for me, for me, this idea of the problems that we have with white supremacy is, is this. We both like it and hate it at the same time. So we, it's easy to see how we hate it when it comes out in forms of violence. But we, there's parts of we that we actually like, if we're honest, that when it comes to privilege, right, and comfort, especially if it's, not, if it's us and not other people. I mean, I think of this, I'm the worst kind of person when it flying on Deltas and um, first class. I flew first class to Bermuda. I had some miles. And I'm just the worst kind of person to do that because I flew on this plane and I was a, a tyrant. I mean, when I, when I fly first class, I sit, I sit at my spot. And if you're coming, and I know you, and if you're coming and you come across me, I don't make eye contact because I'm just, I just like being in first, I like the privilege of being in first class being served the snacks and the drinks first. Um, and you get used to that privilege. And I realize how, how attached people are to privilege. And the natural reaction to privilege is not to share it. The natural reaction to privilege is to resist any attempts to take it. And so, you know, you, we have this love affair with, with white privilege. And I saw this when I was watching uh, the series Bridgerton. I'm not going to go so far into Bridgerton because I do want to honor my commitment to stop the show at in, in the next three minutes. But Bridgerton was... A, a great show for me. I liked it and hated it at the same time. I liked it because it was this beautiful, beautiful, flowy, colorful scenes of of of, of black people. I just love to see black folk in these things. But there were some hidden themes, right? Um, one theme was that how whites became invisible in the history of racial dominance. It, so it was a re rewritten history, a re envisioned fantasy. It wasn't history. It was a fantasy of a world 
where slavery wasn't even mentioned or even seen in this space, right? There were some hints to it, but it wasn't seen and race wasn't really mentioned. They were invisible. Remember that white supremacy? It was invisible, right? And so we saw it in this fantasy. I mean, it was this, fan it's, it's this fantasy. Imagine what was going on in, in, in this particular time in the world. This was, this was set in 1813, right? Around 1813. But in that time, we just finished the, the, uh, the, independence revolution, uh, Haiti's revolution, right? Successful revolution against uh, slavery. And so, what was it? I think it was 1804, it ended. And so, black people were doing some very powerful things resisting slavery. And in this in this in this series, very flowy, excellent. I love the writing of it in the sense, and so I'm conflicted, yeah? But it had so many conflicting white supremacist ideas sort of throughout. The other one is it fosters this idea of interracial marriage as the ideal, ideal for human relationships. Now, you should marry who you marry, right? And love is love. You should marry who you marry. But, you know, from the queen and her, the king, there was like four or five. They, this was the standard, right? And what it does is this idea that, that, this is the ideal in a world where race and everything is invisible. And, and I've been I was taught that when I was young, you know, that, that in an interracial relationship that makes you some, some advanced form of race relations. And it's not, it's just human relations. It's not advanced race relations. Right? And so that's the idea of, 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 of again, trivializing notions of race and then, um, making up these new fantasies of it uh, and that paint people. So if you're not in that kind of relationship, something's wrong with you. Can we all just get along kind of thing? And the third thing it does, it locates racial healing in the kingdom of whiteness. So, so it did show a world where race was not prevalent and where blacks were elevated, but it showed it in the construct of, in the construct of English gentry, right? <laughs> in the very construct that was supported in the world through uh, the slave trade, okay? Um, it, it was in this kingdom of whiteness that was not only a, it was a, it was constructed to support white comfort in a world and these structures that produced these real good feelings for people. So it made you feel nice about these structures of kingship and queenship and nice dresses and balls and gowns in this whole construct that was itself built upon the subjugation of people. Three ideas in Bridgerton that were prominent in terms of white supremacy. And even even that, even that, um, the show didn't celebrate black and black love either. Yeah, listen, this show, it's, it's a powerful show because it's a great study. It's a great study. I'm, I say watch it. Colorism was a problem too. Yes, Rita. Yes, Lena. Um, Listen, you guys are saying so many good things. You're right. And I would say take another look at it. Take another um, look at the show because it brings up some very powerful ideas that help us think about blackness. What is, is blackness? Why we need not be ashamed of who we are as people on this planet. And, 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 and think about the system of white supremacy and how it plays out. Now, in future shows, I want to talk about how this plays out in education because I think this, uh, this has everything to do with learning math. This has everything to do with getting a job. This has everything to do with who we are. But those are themes that are coming out in what we're seeing today in, in society. 
And so let me, before I end the show, let me just share my three commitments. I know I scheduled this show to be a little shorter and we'll get it. We'll work on getting it down. I wanted to work on 45 minutes and then down. My idea was going to be 30 minutes, but it's so you can see it's so hard. Um, I want to share my three commitments, my three commitments, my new beginnings, my new uh, resolutions in the context of living in this world that we are, where we have to, to heal ourselves and our brothers and sisters from the, the, the pandemics of racial injustice, pandemics of violence, police violence, the pandemics of white um, supremacy, the p- pandemic of COVID-19. Um, I have these three, ra- these three radical commitments. I've call- I'm calling them radical commitments to myself, my faith, and, and my community question to you is, before I leave, is what is your commitment to, and I'll just put that up, what is your, what is your commitment, what is your radical commitment to yourself, what is your radical commitment to yourself, your community, and your faith? So I'm going to share that, okay? I'm just going to put that on the chat if you don't mind. I'm going to share that, and I'm going to show that, and I'll put it up. What is your radical commitments? I should say that should read <laughs> what are. What are your radical commitments to yourself, your community, and your faith, and your math, if you feel so brave? brave. I'm going to tell you mine. My first radical commitment is to a radical, radical expression of my greatest hopes and dreams. I, I just my voice my radical voice first one is my radical voice and i just find that I've, i i know i know I'm, I'm doing this show but i just find that i'm not pleased with my voice right i i want i want to be able to speak truth to power i want to be able to speak kindness i want to be able to speak um and edify people if you as you look at spiritual gifts i want to be able to to use my voice at the right time and the right moment to bring healing, to bring disruption when disruption is needed, right? Um, bring justice in the space and to bring education. And so when I think of my first radical commitment this year is to have a radical voice, um, to speak, no matter what that looks like, just to speak, yeah? The second commitment, second commitment is that I want to, commit to self-care and flourishing i not even self-care i want to look at myself like real deeply just focus on myself that's so hard when you when you are trained as an educator and educators you know what i'm talking about parents you definitely know what i'm talking about but when you're trained in at every level to serve people (laughs) it can be hard to focus on yourself right and so i really want to focus on self-care radical self-care um spending more time in nature spending more time outside uh um, spending more time disrupting the psychology psychology that just keeps me from good health yeah so i've been i've been i, I don't want to get too much into this but i'm just uh, taking on this program noon actually and uh it's i love it because it's disrupting my psychology around food yeah, so I've lost. I just uh, pat on the back. I've lost. Um, I've lost uh, what seven, eight pounds already in just since in three weeks since December twenty first. But it's not really about that. It's just this the psychology of why I'm eating. So I'm, I'm working hard. I'm forgetting breakfast. 
so I'm hungry. I'm waiting until I'm filming, so I'm hangry. And so by the time I'm hangry, I don't have time to eat. And so I go out and I go out and uh, get something from DoorDash or something, some delivery service. And so um, I'm binging, right? And so this is just this food habit. And so, but the trigger is the the work thing. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to get something done. And so I'm just trying to serve myself. That's a good point. You know, uh, Marsha, you bring that up. You forget to serve yourself. And you're right. Even in COVID, you have to put your mask on first, right? Before you can, your mask on first. Not just in COVID, I'm sorry. You have to put your, in a plane, right? You put your mask on first. That's the first thing that they tell you. So my second thing is my radical voice. First thing is a radical voice. The second thing is the radical, radical love self-care to myself first but also to others right to love in very powerful ways and to seek out and to build and to strengthen relationships with families and others right to that's my commitment to radical voice and to love radically um, radical love now if you're real i don't know how advanced you are but when we're talking about radical love i mean Radical love in the sense of education, too, and radical love in the sense of your mathematics, if you're ready for that, and radical love in your church and in your faith, if you're ready for that kind of love. Radicalness, man, being radical in my love, being radical in my voice. Um, that's so important to me. And, and that word that comes up, my, my friend Stephen, Stephen Kahn has shared this word, flourishing. Flourishing. Not just existing. Not just staying in a space not just being here in a space but flourishing not just being enrolled in a school but flourishing in a school not just working at your job but flourishing are you flourishing you know does it bring you joy you know just a commitment to this idea of radical love and radical self-love and radical love for others and a radical commitment to your flourishing and the third one is is radical system building. I didn't know another word for it, but but I, I think um, I think when I when I mean radical system building, I mean radical action, taking radical action. And when I say system building, I mean I'm not just satisfied with progress anymore. I want to divest myself from great uses of of energy just to build small increments of progress. And I think that itself is a feature of white supremacy. You get so addicted to small increments of progress. In fact, you lead the narrative on progress, 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 but you don't unravel the systems that keep you in a bad psychology. Secondly, you don't, not only don't you unravel systems that keep you in bad psychology, you don't deploy your own systems. And so even with the New Year's, I'll close, I'll close with this, even if in the New Year's you commit to these resolutions and goals, but you don't commit to building systems. If you build a system, you'll never fail. But if you start out your resolution with, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, you already put yourself in deficit. I'm um, 20 pounds down. I'm, I've got 19 to go and, and 18 and 17 to go. But if you think of a system, I'm going to put in a system of good eating, then you, you can be from day one. Your system started and you could be up on it. And so I really want to focus on building systems. Uh, I would talk about building pipelines as well, but I want to talk about building systems. So there you have it. Listen, do me a favor. In the chat, I see you making comments. Drop in. Drop. <laughs> yo, 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 you guys. My, I can't even see you. My, my face. This audience is going in on me. Okay, cool. <laughs>
Yeah, I love this one though. You have to be loyal to those you love. When you come home, you have to reach out to the ones you love. Yes, radical love. What does it mean? Um, <laughs> someone said, I receive no radical love. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yes, what does it mean to progress in a system that seeks to oppress you? Yeah. Yeah. Let's listen, we're so talented. Let's think about some other systems. Let's you know, let's think about how we build wealth differently. You know, let's think about how we eat differently. Like, check your system. Just check it. And and maybe there's a, the system you're in is is just maybe it's just not designed to 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 help you flourish. No matter what you think or do. You are not going to be good enough for a system not designed to help you flourish. That's white supremacy, black people. I love you guys. I, I, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to uh, our growth, our flourishing. Thank you, allies and friends who are on this, listening to this, whether live or, or after the live show. Listen, do me a favor. Before you leave, go ahead and just click that share button and share it to your profile so people can see some of the great things that we're doing. And also, don't forget to tune in February, where we'll be talking about the, we'll have our series, Ubuntu, Black History and Mathematics, and we'll be hitting those four topics really, really powerful, powerfully. Um, don't forget that. Be glad to have you there as well. Listen, thank you. You've been listening to the Pie Before Dinner. This is your host, Dr. Lou. I'll see you again next week with another exciting show. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Hi, thank you for listening to another episode of Pie Before Dinner. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you're listening to and you want to support our work, please visit us at www.piebeforedinner.com. That's www.piebeforedinner.com. Have a great day.